Golden State Warriors basketball. Lead out to Monte. Monte's gonna break away. Hammerslam! This is Warriors Roundtable. Dumps it down. Two-hand slam for Monte. A little elevation sensation. With the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Gasol, left box, goes to work. Right hand dribble, banging downstairs to Udo. Turn baseline, pump it, goes up. Short, I think Yempe got a piece of that. Rush with the ball. Hand off to Curry, streaking down the right sideline. Lob to Monte for the dunk! The Grizzlies just took a lightning strike there from Steph Curry and Monte Ellis. Rudy Gay with a dribble, down the lane. On Udo, dunked it with a left hand. Everybody look out. Rudy Gay threw that down. That's his third dunk of the half. A couple of highlights from last night's contest out at Oracle Arena. Hi, Tim Roy, and welcome to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. It was not to be last night for the Golden State Warriors. After falling behind 21-4, Golden State would rally and take a first-half lead, only to see the second half where Golden State was outscored by a count of 54-41. to 41. Uh, The Grizzlies really taking it to Golden State in the third quarter and established their lead and hung on to win 110-92. Warriors fall to 15-21 and 21 on the season and get ready for the world champion Dallas Mavericks. And that is Saturday night out at Oracle, 7.15 the airtime on KMDR 680. Now, coming up this hour of the show, we're just past the halfway point of the season. We'll check in with Warriors General Manager Larry Riley, who's a very busy man right now with all the college basketball tournaments and the NBA trading deadline just one week away. We'll check in with Mark Stein of ESPN.com and find out how he sees the league at the halfway point of the season. We'll get your questions on our Twitter segment, at Warriors Vox, trying to answer as many questions as we possibly can. And like we do every week on the show, we'll show you how the Golden State Warriors are giving back to the Bay Area community. All this hour on KMBR, and don't forget on Monday, March 19th, Warriors legend Chris Mullen will have his iconic number 17 retired. The first of 10,000 fans in attendance that evening will receive a limited edition Chris Mullen bobblehead, courtesy of Insurance. Join us at Oracle Arena for this once-in-a-lifetime event. For ticket information, go to warriors.com or call one gsw hoop and press option number one. Warriors General Manager Larry Riley joins me when we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Chest pass to Lee, right corner, good big baseline, over the head slam for David Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. We continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I'm Tim Roy. We're talking with Warriors General Manager Larry Riley. And we're just past the halfway point of the season. And so, Larry, I want to get your uh, assessment of the first half of the ball club. And, and what do you see and, and, and what do you like so far? And what do you, you know, as you look into your NBA crystal ball, what do you see for the Warriors in, in half number two? Well, the first half... Uh certainly was up and down and there were a lot of close games that everybody knows about and so that was uh, that was something that didn't go as well as we would have liked and uh, also we you know fought a couple of injury situations but the bottom line is we haven't played as well as we would have liked to however you're asking for something on the positive side uh, I think there certainly has been development in some of our players there's no question that uh, F.A. Udo has gotten a little bit more experience and is, is uh, making slow progress, if you want to call it that. 
and then we're seeing some uh, growth in Clay Thompson. And there's no doubt that uh, we've discovered that uh, McGuire is a guy who's going to play defense, give you a good effort, a lot of hustle. And we've used the D-League some to, to send a couple of players down. So there's there's some type of growth within the team. Uh, has it been enough to get the wins? No, it hasn't. And uh, it could contribute a little bit more to uh, a little bit better second half. We've got a lot of games to play, as you know, without much rest. And uh, so we'll have to see what happens as far as the depth of our team because we do seem to have some depth in that uh, Brandon Rush usually gives us a good effort and, and uh, our bench seems to be a little bit better than it has been in the past. Talk about Epe Udo for a moment because he's a player that a lot of fans look to and, and expect some things out of. And now he's in the starting lineup, and it just seems like he's starting to feel you know, his pace. And, and the other you know, part of the equation, which I don't think a lot of people realize, is that you know, he's now in his second year. He still hasn't had a real offseason and a real training camp. Well, it's been difficult for him because of the way things started when he had the wrist injury and then uh, missed, as you say, two training camps. So uh, he's come on, I think I mentioned just a little bit earlier, he's come on a little bit slowly, but there's slow progress and uh, uh, there's certainly progress. So uh, I think sometimes people expect a a young player to just jump out and and, uh, be a world beater all of a sudden. I would be more alarmed uh, at uh, at him not doing anything, but what we're seeing is he's just slowly climbing the ladder. And his contributions are, as you know, on both ends of the floor. And that's something that's uh, that's quite helpful to us. Uh, you could argue that he's our best defender, and uh, we'd like to see him rebound more. He's getting more comfortable shooting the ball. He was a face-up jump shooter as a college player at uh even though he's in the starting lineup, he's basically playing out of position. He's, uh, it never was really our intention to play him at five, but there are a lot of teams in this league who don't have a center, and they have someone who is playing at five uh, just because of need. So uh, I'm pleased with his growth. We want to see more, and, and I do expect that he's going to continue to get better. Do you think this change in the starting lineup can maybe rekindle some of the, the, the fire for Andres Biedrich? I would hope so. It's one of those things where uh, it was time to bring F.A. on, and Mark made that decision. And, uh, you know, I, w- I would hope that Andres would see that uh, there's still an opportunity for him and that he could make a contribution off the bench and, and uh, in all honesty, fight back just a little bit. You know, try to show the world that... Uh, he belongs in the NBA, belongs as, as a guy who can get uh, minutes as a sub right now and maybe earn his way back into a starting role. I don't know if that will develop, but, uh, you know, that ball's in Andres' court. Obviously one of the, the, the tough stories of the first half of the season was the ongoing injuries for Steph Curry. Uh, it was great to see him back on the floor the last two games, Larry, and, and he looks like he's, uh, he's healthy, his legs look fresh, he, he's having a lot of fun out there. Uh, obviously, that that has to be something that that long term, you know, that you would like to get resolved, and and I'm sure Steph would like to get resolved so that he can do this now for you know 72, 82 straight games. Well, that's the other thing that we're we're facing is uh, you know how do we approach this thing long term and get him into a position even the next year where we don't face any of these things. 
and uh, we're told by the doctors that a good long summer's rehab is going to be extremely important and should correct the problem. Now that we've been able to go through the things that we've gone through and kind of get the, get the ankle stabilized, this last injury, of course, was not an ankle sprain. It was a tendon strain, uh, but it is in the same foot. Those kind of things are, are things that you always want to look at. So uh, we're quite hopeful that uh, when he comes back to playing, so to speak, a full game, and I think that's coming soon, but that's, you know, we determine that as we go into each game how much he's going to play. I'm hopeful that by the weekend that he'd be back in stride, so to speak, and be able to play whatever minutes the coach would like to use him. And uh, Mark has been pretty good about bringing him along slowly and, and not putting him out there before he's ready. And so if we can now go through the rest of this year and get a good summer under our belt, uh, we're headed in the right direction. We're talking with Larry Riley here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We're at the uh, just past the halfway point of the season. Wanted to get Larry's thoughts and assessments on the year so far. You know, one of the things about the rest of the year, uh, Larry, we're in this stretch now of two days without a game, and that's the final two days without a game until April the 27th, which is the day after the, uh, the final game of the regular season. Uh, a lot of games coming quickly and a lot of very tough games. It's all Western Conference now just for the most part, and and uh, it is, uh, it's going to be a tough stretch here. As you mentioned, we're almost done with the East teams, and uh, we're going to be playing people uh, who, who, frankly, are quite tough, and we're in a situation where those games just keep coming at us, and the hardest part of our schedule is actually in front of us. Uh, this, this is probably going to mean that everybody is going to be uh, called upon to play kind of an all-hands-on-deck type of thing because of the way the games are going to come at us. And uh, there will be some ups and downs. And if we, could, uh, if we could just get some momentum someplace when you're playing a lot of games, then you can, you can make, maybe take a step forward because the games are coming at you so fast. It works the other way if you're playing poorly, poorly you can lose a lot of games in a hurry. So we've got a lot of work ahead of us. And, uh, it's going to be quite a challenge for the team. Thus far, they've accepted the challenge of the season pretty well. We think that that will continue. You know, one of the things that gets lost in, in uh, a year where you're talking about guys like, like Epeudu who are starting and Steph Curry's injury has been the play of Monte Ellis. And what I really like about Monte's play this year, Larry, is the fact that he is um, looking to distribute the ball more and he's taking a lot more ownership in the, in the team. You can see the frustration on him when the team loses. And and I would imagine as a, as a former coach and as a general manager now, you kind of like that when your best player starts to, to act that way because if he's upset about losing, that that has to trickle down to the rest of the guys. There's no doubt about it. That's, that's what people who lead good teams do, and, and we want to get to the point where we're a good team, but he does take it personally. And, uh, you know, people just, for some reason, I don't think nationwide, I think people locally understand Monte and see what he does. Uh, this is a player who, among two guards, uh, at various times during the year, has been number one in assists. And uh, that really says something about him. There are a lot of people who think he's just a scorer, but uh, he will get the assist. He will set up a teammate. He and David Lee, from time to time, just feed off of each other. And, of course, Monte will hit anybody with, a, with an open pass. So he's really accepted a lot of the responsibility for this team. 
and it, it, it hurts him, you know, when we lose a ball game or if we play poorly. And he's the kind of a guy who's just having a great year. And, uh, you know, you've got to win for the national media to pick up on it. And right now we haven't won enough games for that to happen. Larry, one week from today, it's the NBA trading deadline. Uh, how active do you think that this year will be? And uh, and, and obviously with your uh, cell phone and, and uh, with uh, you know, Bob Myers and, and, and Joe Lacob, you know, how many phone calls, how busy do you think the Warriors will be, and is there a chance of making a deal? We've been awfully busy all along and uh, just searching to come up with an answer uh, to get us some help in the middle. And I just uh, I can't tell right now what the temperature is for that kind of thing. It's difficult from the standpoint that sometimes there's a deal that could be made before that last week, but it seems that everybody hangs on until the last week of the trade deadline in order to make some kind of a move. And uh, we've been extremely aggressive. There are things that we would like to do. You've got to get the cooperation on the other side in order to make it work. And uh, one thing we can't do is just make a move for the sake of making some kind of a generic move that doesn't make us all that much better. Uh, but we are searching, and Bob Myers has been diligent and, and just continuously on the phone. I've been on the phone a great deal, and we keep, you know, now is tournament time for conference tournaments. We keep running into general managers. There's a lot of face-to-face conversation. Uh, I expect more of that today, and, uh, you know, it, it's just going to be a very active time right up to the last moment, uh, but we're going to be very uh, concerned about making sure that we do a deal that brings some kind of help to us. Larry, as always, I appreciate your time, and uh, good luck in that ende- endeavor. I know it's a very, very busy time for you. It's going to be a, a week of very little sleep for you, and uh, we appreciate you. Uh, taking some time out of your schedule to uh, to talk to us and, and enjoy uh, scouting those college games, and I'm sure we'll see you soon. Okay, look forward to seeing you, Tim. That's Warriors Joe Manager Larry Riley. I'm Tim Roy, inviting you to Fireworks Night, brought to you by Jack in the Box. Bring your family and friends to Oracle Arena this Saturday where the Warriors take on the world champion Dallas Mavericks and enjoy a special post-game fireworks show. For ticket information, go to warriors.com or call one gsw hoop and press option number one. Next up on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, we'll inform you about Read Across America Day on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Pass to White, over the head, Doug, caught it right at the rim. What a pass. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Center Kwame Brown took part in a Read to Achieve Reading Timeout on Read Across America Day, celebrating Dr. Seuss's birthday by reading the author's famous children's books to over 250 Oakland area children at the International Community School. And yes, uh, green eggs and ham were served. Reading is important and special. Uh, it's a confidence builder and uh Everything about reading just helped me out in life. When the teacher called on me, I was excited about reading.
Yeah, I mean, it's important for me, you know, because I preach to them how important education is. Although, I, you know, I chose to forego college and came to the NBA, it's still important um, that you get your education and just to have options. And so I want my daughters to understand that I'm not just going to talk about it. I'll go out and be about it. you know, give back like this and uh, just see how excited these kids are to see me. Who want to help me read? Which one? Who really want to go? Whoever stand up first. Winner. Come on. You scared now? Ah! Who else? Come on. Come on, you just supposed to sit here and look pretty. Oh, you know, see, you know it. Me. I'll read a page and you read a page. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. This one has a little star. This one has a, a little car. <laughs> Say what a lot of fish there are. Thank you, Ross. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now to answer your questions at Warriors Vox. I'm Tim Roy. Warriors VOX is the uh, handle on Twitter, and you can fire away. We try to answer as many questions as we can. First one comes from Bob, NBA fan, who wants to know about with the tough losses the Warriors have had, how is the team keeping a good locker room? How are they staying positive? Well, we brought the microphones to Monte Ellis and asked him that very same question. We just go out and just just continue to take it game by game. Hopefully by the time All-Star break, we'll be at 500. And then after All-Star break, and try to make a run then. But uh, just try to stay close around that hunt. And I mean, if we stay positive and think it, we'll achieve it. The next question, the Sam NBA wants to know about the tight games. Is it because the Warriors don't have a lot of players with winning experience? What do you think about that? Warriors guard Nate Robinson. I mean, we got enough guys on this team that know how to win, man. I mean, the, you know, you guys have been in college that's won, you know, been on different teams that won, and you just got to be a fighter and a winner. You just got to believe, and I think, you know, we have that. We just, uh, it's just taking a little bit of time, and I think, you know, each guy on this team, when we, you, you see we come in early, we leave late, guys get in shots, so it's not, you know, that we, you know, we, we go out to play to lose. You know, we try to go out there and give our 100% effort. I think we do a great job at it. It's just that we got to be a little tougher. ENRV wants to know any chance the Warriors are saving Andres Biedrich as a cap filler for a Steph Curry trade. Now, I don't think that's really the case. When you look at the Warriors roster and Andres Biedrich, and one of the reasons why you know, the Warriors were looking for big men in the offseason was the fact that they only had one true center in Andres Biedrich. Now they have, you could say, two with Epe Udo playing the five, and he can certainly play a number of fives uh, in the association. Kwame Brown is out, and obviously they miss him and his size inside. So, you know, you have to have big men on your roster. If you look at any NBA team, there's always, you know, a couple of big guys sitting down at the end of the bench, and they are there for insurance. There's not enough good big men right now to go around, so you really have to stock your roster with an extra big man or so. And I'm sure that's one of the things the Warriors will be working on in this next week 
in the in the trade deadlines. I'm sure when they talk trades with other teams, talking about acquiring size is one of the things that Golden State is looking to do. Final question on the night again at Warriors Vox, Warriors V O X on the Twitter. And the Eli wants to know about Dominic McGuire. He's really starting to grow on me. I like his attitude. Well, you're not alone. The head coach likes his attitude as well. A guy like Dominic McGuire who was at home waiting for a phone call. We had a list of guys that we were considering and uh, really liked his toughness. I didn't know him personally, but he's a guy that stays ready. And all he said to me is, I got you, coach. Whether I play him one minute, no minutes, or you know, 30 minutes, he's a guy that brings the same thing every single night. I want to thank you all for your support and all of your questions on the Twitter. It really shows your care and passion about the Golden State Warriors and the NBA. Don't forget it's fireworks night on Saturday. The world champion Dallas Mavericks in town. Bring your family and friends to Oracle when the Warriors take on Dirk Nowitzki and the Mavs and enjoy a special post-game fireworks show. Uh, for ticket information, go to warriors.com or give a call one gsw hoop and press option number one. We continue with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Sit back and enjoy Mark Stein of ESPN.com talking league-wide issues and why he thinks the West is wide, wide open on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Turns the corner down the lane, lob to Beasley, two days We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Always a pleasure on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable to welcome a friend of Warriors Radio, and that is Mark Stein of ESPN.com, and, and I, Tim Roy, and, and uh, Mark, uh, a pleasure as always, and, and uh, I promise at some point in this conversation we'll try to work in a question about the Buffalo Braves. And I just want to be there. If you got Riley on today, too, I should be I should be in studio so I can just talk right to him. Exactly, exactly. Trade deadline's a week away. Do you think it's going to be, uh, you know, every year we get we get all fired up about it, and I'm just like everybody else. I can't wait to see what's going to go on. But uh, with the special circumstances of the year, late deadline, you know, lockout condensed to training camps and everything else, uh, do you think that's going to factor in as to, to how active this trading deadline week is going to be? I have to say, so far, it has been a little quiet, even with the chatter. Uh, I always hear executives say, yeah, not much is going on, and then the avalanche hits. So, I mean, I, I always expect a lot. But it's a new day with a new stricter luxury tax coming down the road that I think teams have their eye on, and you know that's going to factor into a lot of things. And then also... Well, the Dwight Howard situation seems to be kind of bottling things up that uh, until that resolves itself, a lot of teams have wanted to be patient, and the reality is that that might not resolve itself by next Thursday. So uh, at this point, we, we haven't seen any action for a while since the Maurice Spates trade where Memphis brought him in as kind of a fill-in for Zach Randolph. He's done pretty well for them, to be honest, but... Uh, I, I always expect action. That's just uh, my my skept, the skeptic in me just doesn't doesn't believe these guys when I hear ah, not much is going on. So let's uh, talk about Orlando for a second. Obviously, they want to bring in another piece to try to get Dwight Howard happy, and they they try to get him to stay. But do they have enough around Dwight to trade to bring in that piece? I I don't see it. I don't know what they have to offer 
that anybody wants to bring in a piece that's going to make Dwight Howard happy. And you guys have heard it. They would love Monte Ellis or uh, you know Steve Nash. I mean, good luck. They don't. They don't have anything to tempt a team to make a deal that would send them a player good enough to keep Dwight Howard. I just don't see it. Yeah, it's it's a hard situation. You know, they're almost. Uh, and I, I thought for a long time Kevin Garnett was this way in Minnesota. They almost get to be victims of their own contracts, where they you know they don't you know their their contracts are such where you know maybe they can't bring in the other pieces uh, to help them win a title. Well, it's interesting though. They've kind of taken this approach. If you believe them, now again, this you know the skeptic in me wonders: Are they you know they've consistently let this message slip to other teams, and that's how it gets to us in the media that they're not making a move. They're keeping Dwight. All the signals are they're going to keep him past the deadline and roll the dice. You know how much is that a smokescreen to try to get teams to improve their offers in the next week, or are they just among this growing group of teams? We've seen it in Dallas. We've seen it in other places that seem to think if they lose their guy, it's better to just have the cap room and start over than worry about, quote, getting something. You saw the Mavericks come into this season and let all their free agents go because they wanted financial flexibility to make a run at Dwight and D. Will. Whether they get those two guys or not, they were willing to basically break up a championship team to have that flexibility. You hear things like New Jersey saying that if, if they lose D-Will in their nightmare scenario, they'd rather have the cap room than try to trade him now and make sure they, quote, get something. You look at Phoenix, same thing. They're going to keep Steve Nash at the deadline, and Steve Nash could very well walk away in the summer, and the Suns are likely to say to their fans, look, we tried, we, tr- we wanted Steve to stay, we made every effort to keep him, we couldn't keep him, but... We have cap space now. We're going to try to start over. So in this new financial landscape where teams seem to be really, really fearful of how strict this luxury tax is going to get when the full luxury tax come in after, comes in after another season, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to see a shift away from that thinking of you've got to get something for your free agent before he leaves. Talking with Mark Stein, I'm Tim Roy on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Let me throw a couple of names at you. As far as guys that I, I, I'm looking at the other rosters and thinking uh, these guys could get moved uh, maybe at the deadline, guys that, that uh, certainly are, are players that could help good teams, guys like Ramon Sessions of Cleveland, uh, Ersan Ilyasova in Milwaukee, uh, Chris Kame in New Orleans, uh, going up to, to Portland, maybe a Gerald Wallace type of a, a, a deal. Do you think names like that uh, could be guys that we'll see moved uh, next week? Well, they're all in play. At this point, none of them have moved. Uh, Cleveland wants a first-round pick for Sessions. Portland, I think you have to be ready for them to do anything. It's clearly not working, and I tend to think they're one of the teams that would be looking to make a more drastic change and just shake things up and really change the dynamic of their team. Basically, last season they brought in Gerald Wallace to what they already have, but things are going south right now. They're not getting better. Uh, Cayman is someone New Orleans is really trying to move, but just like with Cleveland, the, the, the Hornets want at least a first-round pick, and so far they're not getting it. That's another factor that uh, because of the financial landscape now, and again because there's this fear of what's going to happen with the luxury tax and how punishing it will be and, and how uh, 
you know, it goes up the farther over the tax you are. Guys want to keep their draft picks. Teams want to keep their draft picks. They, they want to keep guys who are on rookie contracts. So all these things are kind of factoring into so far create a bottleneck effect. But again, I, I still tend to believe with a week to go uh, and GMs all over the league going to college games for March Madness and getting a lot of time, a lot of face time with each other, we're, we're still going to see some action. Mark, what do you take, uh, or what do you see with with the Los Angeles Lakers right now? You knew it was going to be a tough adjustment year for them after so many years with Phil Jackson running things his way, and Mike Brown comes in. I, I think it's a really that's a hard job to take over uh, with that group. A lot of strong personalities in that locker room, a lot of talent there. Uh, but but what do you see with the Lakers uh, right now, and, and 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 their adjustment to the the new way of doing things? Yeah, I agree with you. It was somewhat inevitable that they were going to go down this road, and eventually when things got bumpy, the focus was going to be Mike Brown. I mean, he has, in a lot of ways, a thankless job replacing a guy with 10, 11 rings like Phil Jackson. But the Lakers, to me, did this to themselves. Uh, You know, I couldn't believe that they chose Mike Brown over Rick Adelman. Rick Adelman had the perfect temperament to step into a cauldron like this and coach veteran guys like Kobe and Powell. And so having said that so many times before the Lakers made the decision, I feel a little bit more comfortable, I guess, pointing it out again now. Uh, and, and this was a Jim Buss call. Jim Buss is the one who wanted – Mike Brown, and Jim Buss is the one who's kind of getting all the attention now since he's really the shot caller with the Lakers. And it's just going to be interesting to see how he reacts. I mean, he's another guy with a tough act to follow because his dad is so well regarded as one of the best owners in sports. And, you know, the Lakers have always competed, you know, generally since since Jerry Buss got there. They've been in the championship mix and have always made the right move and have always found a trade to drag them out of their their low points, uh, you know, and now Jim Buss, I mean, he's just not making very many friends in L.A., so it's going to be interesting to see. I I tend to think before the deadline, they'll probably, they're not going to move Powell, so they're probably going to look pretty much the way they are unless they can get someone like a Sessions or a Kirk Heinrich, you know, a smaller move to just try to change their team a little bit, but... Uh, it's 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 as bumpy in LA as it's been for a long, long time. With Mark Stein of ESPN.com, let's uh, go. Well, you, you brought up Rick Adelman, so I was going to ask you about Minnesota, but uh, later on. But since you brought up Rick Adelman, I, he's doing a very nice job with with the Timberwolves, and and uh, you know, uh, for all the the grief that uh, David Kahn has gotten over the years with with some of the moves he has made, uh, they looks like it's coming together pretty well for them right now. Well, I mean, the two things you have to say about David Kahn, he he drafted Rubio and stuck with him when Rubio's stock seemed to be dropping in Spain his last couple of years. He did not play well for Barcelona, and there were a lot of questions. Did, did Kahn, you know, there are so many things about Kahn's tenure that we all point to and criticize. Why was he waiting for this Rubio guy? Well, Rubio's proven to be every bit as, as good as, as, as he thought and Rubio's fans thought. And, uh, you know, after a relationship in Portland where there were a lot of people saying that, you know, when David Conn was a sports editor there, that he and Adelman didn't have the closest relationship. Well, 
whatever the case may be, he convinced Adelman to take this job. And uh, going into last summer, I never would have imagined Adelman taking a job like this with a young team that wasn't in championship contention. You just figure that Rick at this age, he was going to come back for one more job, was going to do it with a team that could actually win. And he has to be in the Coach of the Year discussion for the way he's developed Rubio and uh, the impact he's had on Love, and I think Love wanting to stay there, part of it is Adelman. Uh, I mean, for them to be winning as much as they do on the road, to be over 500, to be in the playoff mix with such a young team, uh, you know, he's he's been he's been sensational there. And again, if I'm if I'm the Lakers, I'm looking at the impact that he's having on an unfinished product like that, and I have to I have to think what what it would have been like had he been the coach of the Lakers. Yeah, the entry very very. Very interesting indeed. You know, I, I I just saw Toronto, and granted they're having a they're having a real tough season, and and, and but but I got to tell you, uh, Dwayne Casey has them playing some defense. They're 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 giving effort on the defensive end, and when when I looked at their ball club, and you know Bargnani's out, and Valanciunas is still over in Europe, and he's a he's a big guy. You know, if you add those two pieces, I mean they'll get better defensively just by being bigger with those two guys. You know, I, th- I think Toronto's going to be a team in the next couple of years that might start to make, you know, a, a Minnesota-type rise. I-, I-, I think they've got a chance to-, to get it turned around there. I don't think there's any question that Dwayne Casey's done a very good job when you consider the talent that he has to work with. It doesn't really show in the record, but I mean, they were basically a 500 team when Bargnani was playing, and, uh, you know, Bargnani's never going to win a Defensive Player of the Year award, but uh, Dwayne Casey at least has Bargnani plugged in on defense and, and giving more effort on that side than he ever has before. So I don't think there's any question that a team that really didn't make any significant moves and is basically they want another top pick in the next draft. They're not taking on any salary. This is really a year of just Casey trying to get in there, establish his culture, develop the young guys there that they want to keep, but they're not doing anything drastic. Uh, you know, they're they're doing pretty well, all things considered. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, had Bargnani been healthy, I mean, I think their record would have looked a lot better. But, uh, you know, he, you know, Dwayne was a great defensive coach in Dallas, had a big impact on the Mavericks winning it all last year. And he's waited a long time to get his chance, and he's making the most of it. Two final questions for you. One, a general one about the Western Conference. It, it looks like that uh, it's, it's pretty much wide open to me right now. I mean, Oklahoma City has separated a little bit. I mean, I think they're, right now, I would say they're the team to beat per se, but I don't know if they're as good, uh, set for a playoff run as well as some of the other teams are because of their, they don't have a, a real post guy. But, but to me, you could, you could make a case for any one of the top five or six teams in the Western Conference to going to the finals. It's pretty wide open. No question. I, it's... Uh... I love it like that. I, I want to be surprised when we get to the finals. I don't want to just know that we had two teams that were heading for a crash course and it was, you know, we went through this whole playoff run for nothing because we knew all along it was going to be Miami and Oklahoma City. It's funny about Oklahoma City. They have almost as many when it matters doubters as LeBron James does. People just don't seem to want to believe in that team no matter what they do in the regular season. 
you know, they've now beaten Dallas three times in four regular season matchups, but, you know, I know from being around the Mavs that they have a lot of confidence when they play that team and think that because of their experience and what happened last year in the playoffs, that they have an edge on Oklahoma City, uh, San Antonio, uh, you know, they, they are again proving that writing them off is, is a grave, grave mistake because they look good and, and have replenished the group that now plays behind their big three are a lot of young guys. They've really kind of reshaped their team very quietly. Uh, the Lakers, for all their issues, Kobe, Bynum, and Gasol, that's still a dangerous trio. So uh, I, don't, I don't think any of us are going to completely write them off. Uh, it's very, very going to be a great, interesting ride in the Western Conference playoffs to see, to see how it plays out. And you know, Oklahoma City, their big advantage during the regular season is nobody really pays any attention to them, but that all changes in the playoffs. It's going to be interesting, interesting to see how they handle the scrutiny and, and being, being the favorite. Final question for you. Uh, a lot of attention this year to Jeremy Lin. He's doing a great job with the Knicks out of, out of Harvard, the former Warrior. And But uh, before Jeremy Lin out of the Ivy League, you go back to the mid-'70 Buffalo Braves. They had a very nice uh, small forward, Jim McMillan, out of Columbia. Played very well for that team. They won 49 games in, in 74-75. I appreciate you working the Braves into this. <laughs> I was expecting a Swen Nader reference, but I'll take Jim McMillan. <laughs> I'll take it. That was a I fun think team. The Ivy League factor is a big part of of Jeremy's popularity. Just we, there have been so few guys to come from the Ivy League and and make it. And uh, I think it's it's an overlooked part of what makes him popular. I was just in Boston and got to see a lot of Harvard alums pack their way into the TD Garden to see Jeremy play play the Celtics. And uh, I mean, he is. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing how many uh, you know Jeremy Lin T-shirts were being sold outside the Garden in Boston on the streets. I mean, the guy, it's, it, I mean, you guys had him for a whole season, and to see where it's gone in the space of basically a month, it really is one of the most amazing things I've seen in in my 18 seasons covering the league. The guy is just so off the charts popular. I, I just spent two games with the Knicks, and you know, even though his his numbers have, have dropped here pretty significantly, but you don't see the interest dropping off at all. The, the amount of people that are at games media-wise wanting to talk to Jeremy Lin, I mean, I don't know if it's going to drop off all season. I mean, he's doing, every time he meets the media, it's a press conference format. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. Mark, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Look forward to uh, seeing you when the Warriors get to Texas. Sounds good. Now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The upcoming game is brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. The world champions come to town on Saturday. The Dallas Mavericks face the Golden State Warriors out at Oracle Arena. That means Dirk Nowitzki is on hand, and he is a tough cover. I dare say, Brad, he's feeling it. And Dallas once again with great ball movement. Here's Evans stepping into a three for the right angle. No good. Nowitzki got the rebound. Shovels the kid in the middle of the foot on three. Veers to his right. And a pass for Dirk in the right baseline. Jumper is good again. And what a show that Dirk is putting on here in the third quarter. 19 in the quarter. 34 in the game. 
Warriors and Mavs. It's a fireworks night brought to you by Jack in the Box. 7.15 the airtime on KMBR 680 on Saturday night. After the game, the Warriors get on their plane, head to Los Angeles for a 6.30 tip-off at Staples where the Warriors take on CP3 and the L.A. Clippers. Ball against Bynum, crossover dribble, step back, jumper off the key, good from 17. Well, he wanted that one. You knew that was going to be just a one-on-one finish. You did. He just locked and loaded on him. Warriors and Clippers, Sunday night, 6.15 the airtime on KMBR, 6.80. Still on the road Tuesday, but it's just up the causeway when the Warriors take on Tyreek Evans and the Sacramento Kings. Splits defenders, loses the ball, gets it down, two in the clock, has to throw up a 28-footer and score it. It's so easy when it's going your way. Tyreek is shooting the basketball with a lot of confidence. He held that last shot, didn't force the shot, a lot of patience, and nothing but net. Warriors and Kings on the Tuesday night, 6.45 the airtime on KMBR 680. So after back-to-back games against divisional rivals, one of the last remaining games against the Eastern Conference, next Wednesday night, the only appearance of the Boston Celtics and their talented point guard, Rajon Rondo. Rondo, lob, Garnett, two-hand slam, and after 50 years, step aside, Bob Cousy, Rajon Rondo is the single-season Assist leader. Warriors and the Celtics 7-15 the airtime on KMBR 680 next Wednesday night. And a special weekly roundtable next week on March the 15th starting at 9 o'clock. It's the trading deadline day edition of the Warriors weekly roundtable. And we'll analyze all the deals around the NBA. And what promises to be a very exciting and a very busy Thursday, March 15th. So make sure you put that on your calendar. Put the reminder into your iPhone or your Droid so that you're with us next week on this show. i Tim Roy thanking David Feldhaus of the controls, our producer R.C. Davis, thanking Warriors General Manager Larry Riley and Mark Stein, a friend of Warriors Radio at ESPN.com. We'll see you on Saturday night out at Oracle, Warriors and the Dallas Mavericks, 7.15 the airtime on KMBR 680. And ESPN Radio, well, that's right here on the dial. Golden State Warriors basketball. That base right there to block away another one. For tickets, go to warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.